Hey everybody, this is Pastor Todd, and you're listening to the Grace Community Church Sermon Podcast. Well, I love that from Grace Kids, and love you, Grace Kids. So looking forward to seeing you very, very soon. As soon as your parents bring you back to church, make sure you come up and say hi to Pastor Todd after the service. We'll, we'll keep our distance and we'll keep our masks on, but uh, you'll see me smiling in my eyes because I'll be so happy to see you. And between now and then, know that I think of you every week. I'm praying for you, and I hope that uh, this first week back at school has been a really good one for you. And thank you to all those of you who have helped us build Grace Kids to the point that uh, it was at pre-pandemic. One of the uh, most exciting aspects of this church is all of the kids who are part of Grace Kids. We were talking as a staff about the list of kids who are part of that and the number of families who are part of that uh, aspect of our ministry. And it is a growing and a pretty huge list. So uh, thank you for helping to make it happen. And please keep in mind, um, as we do move through um, this pandemic and someday come out the other side of this, that we're going to need you to uh, help us relaunch Grace Kids. And uh, so make sure you're listening to the Holy Spirit as he uh, puts it on your heart to uh, rejoin him on that, on that aspect of our mission as soon as we are able. One other thing to uh, bring to your attention, um, just want to let you know that we are on Instagram as a church. If that is an app that you enjoy, you can find us. Our handle is at Grace Community Guelph. And if you happen to be watching and you don't have Instagram on your phone, you just do most of your work from a laptop, you can actually find us. Just Google Instagram. And then when Instagram comes up on your screen, just in the search bar, put in at, so one of those little at symbols, Grace Community Guelph. And uh, that is updated throughout the week. There's all kinds of cool and fun stuff going on there. And it's uh, just another way for you to connect with the people of this church and uh, connect with what God is doing. We're taking 12 steps to freedom to start off 2021, working our way through the first 12 chapters in the book of Exodus. I hope you've been enjoying this series. I've been getting lots of really positive feedback from you. Thank you for that. Um, I know sometimes you think your pastor doesn't uh, need to hear from you, or perhaps you think that I'm inundated with positivity all the time. Um, neither are the case. I do love to hear from you. And if you have something good to say, uh, please do say it. I love to uh, receive your encouragement when God speaks to you through the preaching of his word through the context of this house. If you want to catch up on any of the sermons in this series, you can find them all online at gracecommunity.ca front slash listen. In week one, we took step one, which is to remember that God's hand is upon you. Week two was step two, to remember that God is involved. God hears, he remembers, he sees, and he knows. Step three was to listen and let it happen. This was also known as God is the action hero. Step four was to let your belief lead you into action. Step five was to dig deep because life tends to get worse before it gets better. And today we take step number six, which is to remember that God promises, God commands, and we obey. We find this along with a uh, history lesson and a promise in Exodus chapter six. Here it is out of the uh, English Standard Version. But the Lord said to Moses, Now you shall see what I will do to Pharaoh, for with a strong hand he will send them out, and with a strong hand he will drive them out of his land. God spoke to Moses and said to him, I am the Lord. I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as God Almighty, but by my name the Lord I did not make myself known to them. 
I also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan, the land in which they lived as sojourners. Moreover, I have heard the groaning of the people of Israel, whom the Egyptians hold as slaves, and I have remembered my covenant. Say therefore to the people of Israel, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians, and I will deliver you from slavery to them, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great acts of judgment. I will take you to be my people, and I will be your God, and you shall know that I am the Lord your God who has brought you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. I will bring you into the land that I swore to give to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. I will give it to you for a possession. I am the Lord. Moses spoke thus to the people of Israel, but they did not listen to Moses because of their broken spirit and harsh slavery. So the Lord said to Moses, go in, tell Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to let the people of Israel go out of his land. But Moses said to the Lord, behold, the people of Israel have not listened to me. How then shall Pharaoh listen to me? For I am of uncircumcised lips. But the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron and gave them a charge about the people of Israel and about Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to bring the people of Israel out of the land of Egypt. These are the heads of their father's houses, the sons of Reuben, the firstborn of Israel, Hanok, Palu, Hezron, and Carmi. These are the clans of Reuben. The sons of Simeon, Jemuel, Yamin, Ohad, Yachin, Zohar, and Shaul, Saul, the son of a Canaanite woman. These are the clans of Simeon. These are the names of the sons of Levi, according to their generations, Gershon, Kohath, and Merari, the years of the life of Levi being 137 years. The sons of Gershon, Libni, and Shimei, by their clans. The sons of Kohath, Amram, Ishar, Hebron, and Uziel, the years of the life of Kohath being 133 years. The sons of Merari, Mali, and Mushi. These are the clans of the Levites, according to their generations. Amram, took as his wife, Yocheved, his father's sister, and she bore him Aaron and Moses. The years of the life of Amram being 137 years. The sons of Izar, Korah, Nepheg, and Zichri. The sons of Uziel, Mishael, Elzaphan, and Sithri. Aaron took his wife, Elisheva, the daughter of Aminadab, and the sister of Nachshon, and she bore him Nadab, Abiu, Elazar, and Itamar. The sons of Korah, Asir, Elkanah and Abiasaf, these are the clans of the Korahites. Eleazar, Aaron's son, took as his wife one of the daughters of Putiel, and she bore him Pinchas. These are the heads of their father's houses of the Levites by their clans. These are the Aaron and Moses to whom the Lord said, bring out the people of Israel from the land of Egypt by their hosts. It was they who spoke to Pharaoh, king of Egypt, about bringing out the people of Israel from Egypt. This Moses and this Aaron. On the day when the Lord spoke to Moses in the land of Egypt, the Lord said to Moses, I am the Lord, tell Pharaoh, king of Egypt, all that I say to you. But Moses said to the Lord, behold, I am of uncircumcised lips. How will Pharaoh listen to me? Funny chapter, right? It's um, kind of in two sections. So you have the first section that uh, kind of tells us the story of God commanding Moses to go and speak to the people and then to go and speak to Pharaoh. And then the second part is this um, genealogy that shows up really for no clear reason. But um, I will explain that as we move a little deeper into the sermon. The big idea here, of course, point number six, is that God promises, God commands, we obey. So I want to invite you with me to find that rhythm, okay, the rhythm of God promising, 
God commanding and us obeying. I want you to find that rhythm as we work our way through the text. And more importantly than just spotting those moments of rhythm in the text, I want you to spot your place in that rhythm. Why am I using this term rhythm in your place? I want you to think of this as a dance. Okay, the idea here is that we are dancing to the rhythm of God. We are dancing as part of his ongoing chorus. Okay, this is not some dead story, some dead religion we're talking about here. This is a real living story about a real living God and his real living people, and you are the people of God today. So I want to invite you to find your place in this dance, find your place in this rhythm. Let's discover the rhythm of God promising, of God commanding, and of us obeying as we work our way through the text, starting with verse 1. But the Lord said to Moses, now you shall see what I will do to Pharaoh. This is in direct response to the ending of Exodus chapter 5, particularly in verse 23, when Moses, complaining to the Lord, says to God, and you have not delivered your people at all. In fact, let me go back to the end of chapter 5. So this is after the people come out from their audience with Pharaoh. They've been in complaining because of the order to continue making bricks without straw. Pharaoh tells them it was his idea and just basically says, deal with it. So they come out and Moses and Aaron have been waiting to hear how this audience with Pharaoh went. Of course, they were hoping for some kind of relief and uh, it doesn't go that way at all. They met Moses and Aaron, this is verse 20, who were waiting for them and they came out from Pharaoh and they said to them, the Lord look on you and judge because you have made a stink in the sight of Pharaoh and his servants and have put a sword in his hand to kill us. Here it is, verse 22. Then Moses turned to the Lord and said, O Lord, why have you done evil to this people? Why did you ever send me? For since I came to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he has done evil to this people. Here it is. And you have not delivered your people at all. So it's in response to that back half of verse 23. And you, Lord, have not delivered your people at all. You said you were going to save them, but you have not delivered them at all. And things have gotten worse rather than better. So then we jump into Exodus 6, verse 1, where God says, But the Lord said to Moses, Now you will see what I will do to Pharaoh. I want to just camp on the first part of that sentence. But the Lord said... Okay, God gets a word in edgewise here. I'm fond of saying that God gets the last word. But when you say that God gets the last word, you have to, of course, remind yourself in the same breath that he only gets the last word, he gets the first word because he is the Alpha and the Omega, according to Revelation chapter 22, verse 13. So he gets the first word and the last word, which is kind of beautiful. Why is it beautiful? Because the next time you find yourself in a situation where you're feeling concerned or anxious because you don't know how the story goes, let me invite you to trust the author. Trust the one who doesn't just get the last word, but then who gets the first and the last word. I am the first and the last, the alpha and the omega. He knows how the story is going to go. How does he know? Because he is the author of the story. Put your trust in the author. Because his identity is the key to all hope. His identity, which is revealed here in verses 2 through 5. God spoke to Moses and said to him, I am the Lord. I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as El Shaddai, God Almighty. But by my name, Yahweh, I did not make myself known to them. I also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Cain and the land in which they lived as sojourners. Moreover, I have heard the groaning of the people of Israel whom the Egyptians hold as slaves, and I have remembered my covenants. 
This is beautiful, powerful, awesome. He says here, I am Yahweh. Yud, hey, vav, hey, y-h-w-h, the unpronounceable, forbidden name of God. Even in Israel to this day, they will not pronounce that name when they are reading through the Bible. I grew up in Israel, I went to Hebrew school, and as part of just normal mainstream school, not even religious school, in Bible class every single day, we would literally just read through the Pentateuch. So we would sit in our U-shaped class and each kid would have a section of the Torah to read. And we learned that as you got to the name of God, yud Hey vav Hey, you never said Yahweh, you said instead Adonai, which is the word for Lord. Okay, in modern Hebrew, it's Adoni. It's the word for sir, or lord, or mister. So when you came to yud Hey vav Hey as a kid, even as a school child in modern Israel, you knew not to pronounce the holy name of God. But God announces himself that way here. I am yud Hey vav Hey. I am Yahweh. God reveals himself here to Moses by his proper name. Why is this beautiful? Because it's getting very up close and personal now. Okay, he said, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, I made myself known as El Shaddai, God Almighty. In fact, a friend of mine, Jules Kickert, sent me a text today as I was writing it. She was reading ahead, getting ready for Sunday. She's like, is this the first time that God uses his proper name? Are you telling me that he never uses his name in all of the book of Genesis? I was like, well, if Exodus chapter 6, verse 2 is to be believed, then yes, this is the first time that he reveals himself this way anywhere in Scripture. Pretty exciting stuff. I am Yahweh. Now, I just want to point out that this is a very God kind of thing to say. How do I know? Well, because I remember our friend Jesus. Here's a fun moment with him out of John chapter 8, beginning at verse 52. He's arguing here with the Pharisees, the religious leaders in Jerusalem. The Jews said to him, now we know that you have a demon. Abraham died, as did the prophets. Yet you say, if anyone keeps my word, he will never taste death. Are you greater than our father Abraham who died and the prophets died? Who do you make yourself out to be? Jesus answered, if I glorify myself, my glory is nothing. It is my father who glorifies me of whom you say he is our God. But you have not known him. I know him. If I were to say that I do not know him, I would be a liar like you. But I do know him and I keep his word. Your father Abraham rejoiced that he would see my day. He saw it and he was glad. So the Jews said to him, you are not yet 50 years old and have you seen Abraham? Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. It's a very God thing to say. I am Yahweh. So how does this apply to freedom in your life? Well, I want to invite you to get some confidence in your life. Why should you have some confidence in your life? I mean, we all know that it's much easier to live free when you are living with confidence, right? Okay, I don't need to lecture you on that. You know that a confident life tends to be a freer one. So how do we get confidence? By acknowledging that we're hanging out with that guy. We're hanging out with the God who introduces himself as I am. I am that I am, okay? That's the God you're hanging out with. Pretty confident, pretty awesome, pretty self-assured. And if the teaching of the story of Jesus is true, then as you walk with him, you are being conformed into his image and likeness, which means that you can get a little more I am that I am in your step the longer you walk with Jesus. I'm with that guy. You ever had that experience? Remember as a little kid walking through the heart of downtown? And maybe it was in a city where the downtown is a little bit sketchy and you're a little nervous. 
Maybe you were with an uncle or a big brother, or maybe your dad was big and burly like my dad was, and kind of scooched a little closer to him. And by doing so, you felt what? More confidence. If you want to be free, begin thinking of yourself as being friends with that guy. I'm a friend of God. I'm a friend of that guy. Why is that good news? Well, it's good news because of what he does. Won't you get a load of what your friend does? Let me read to you out of verses three through eight. And listen to the rhythm here. Listen to the echoes here of God's greatness, his goodness, God's ongoing activity on your behalf. I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, and Jacob as God Almighty, but by my name Yahweh, I did not make myself known to them. I also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan, the land in which they lived as sojourners. Moreover, I have heard the groaning of the people of Israel whom the Egyptians hold as slaves, and I have remembered my covenants. Say therefore to the people of Israel, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the burden of the Egyptians, and I will deliver you from slavery to them, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great acts of judgment. I will take you to be my people and I will be your God and you shall know that I am the Lord your God who has brought you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. I will bring you into the land that I swore to give to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. I will give it to you for a possession. I am the Lord. Somebody shout in this house. You get a load of what your friend does. You get a load of what he's been up to. You know what's so amazing here is the connotation of all the Hebrew words. I told you that I grew up as an Israeli kid going to Hebrew school, so I know what these words mean in the Hebrew, and it's with great joy that I report to you this morning that the connotation from the Hebrew wording here is that these are things that he has done and is doing. That'll preach real good. It's not just that he did these back in the day in some old story that we got to dust off and read and maybe half believe. No, he has done these things and he is doing these things. So in the Hebrew here, when it says, I have delivered, it literally says, I deliver. And the connotations that I have delivered in the, I have delivered in the past, I am delivering in the present, I will deliver in the future. And you know why this makes perfect sense beyond the linguistics? Because God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is always doing the same things. I mean, somebody shout in your living room. He did not just redeem once, he, oh, he always redeems. He did not just provide for your ancestors. He always provides. He's always doing the same things. So let's recap again what your friend does and just wait. I'm going to bring this all the way home right to you personally in just a minute. I appeared to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I established my covenant with them. I have heard the groaning of my people. I have remembered my promise. I will bring you out from under the burdens you are bearing. I will deliver you from slavery. I will redeem you. I will take you to be my people. I will be your God. You shall know. I will bring you into the promised land. I will give it to you. I am Yahweh. 
So again, this is great, Todd. I'm excited. I'm feeling you this morning, but how does this apply to me? Oh, friend, this is by far the best part of the sermon. Strap yourself in and get ready to get your joy as God gets his glory. He appeared to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in dreams, visions, and angelic visitations. He has appeared to you in Christ. Somebody say, woo! Woo, that's why Christmas is such a big deal. He established his covenant with Abraham, a promise that we have been adopted into in Jesus. He heard the groanings of his people Israel. Somebody shout, he hears you in the midnight hour. He remembered his people. He has not forgotten you. I will never leave you nor forsake you, saith the Lord in Hebrews 13, 5. He brought them, all receive it. He brought them out from under their burdens. He says to you today, come unto me, all ye who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30. He delivered them from slavery. He says to you today, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Galatians 5.1. He redeemed them just like he did you upon Calvary's tree. This is what's happening as Jesus the Christ hangs on the cross. He's fulfilling in that moment every redemption story that we ever read in the Bible leading up to this moment. All of the redemptive work of God finds its culmination, its apex in the work of God in Christ. For as he hangs upon Calvary's cross, what is happening? God the Father is laying upon him the iniquities of us all and he is punishing God the Son in your place. He's punishing him so that you would not have to be punished. He's laying upon him his wrath so that it would not have to be laid upon you. And because this Jesus is not just a good man, but because he is the God man, he's big enough to bear the sins of the world in that moment. And he dies the death that you should have died. But because he's God, he does not stay dead. But that third day, that very first Easter Sunday morning, he rises again from death, defeating the power of Satan, sin, death, and hell forever in his very body. He arises the redeemer of humankind. And this is why you can now be adopted into his family. Because there is a redeemer Jesus, God's own Son, blessed Lamb of God, Messiah, Holy One. Because of Him, you now belong in God's family. And so when you hear Him say that He will take them to be his people. As a good Jesus-following Christian, you cannot help but hear the words of Revelation 21, 3 echoing in your mind. Let's have them echo first in the Hebrew because it's glorious, and then we'll bring it back in the English. You hear these words echoing, Hine, Mishkan Elohim, Imanashim. 
ושכן בתוכם, והם יהיו לו לעם, והיה איתם והיה להם לאלוהים. Behold, the tabernacle of God is with humankind, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them, and he will be their God. He, do you, are the echoes freaking you out here? He will be their God. How do I know that that just doesn't apply to the Israelites trapped as slaves in Egypt? How do I know that it applies to you today? Because I know the words of Revelation 21.7. She who overcomes shall inherit all things and I will be her God and she shall be my daughter. I mean, somebody say amen. You shall know him for now. We see as through a mirror dimly. But then, oh hallelujah, face to face. Now we know in part and prophesy in part, but then we shall know fully, even as we are fully known. 1 Corinthians 13, 12. I will bring them back into the promised land and I will give it to you. How do I know that this applies to us? Because that great day that is coming when we find ourselves in God's presence once and for all in the eternal and ultimate promised land, you will hear undoubtedly these words echoing in your ears from Revelation 22:17, and the spirit and the bride say, come and let those who hear say, come and let those who thirst come, who Whoever desires, let them take of the water of life freely. The new Jerusalem belongs to you. You are a citizen of heaven even now. What can man do to you? You might need to rediscover your true citizenship, friend. You might need to reclaim where you're actually and truly from. You may need to remind yourself where you are seated right now in Christ, next to the Father, in glory on high. Your hope is in Christ, and Christ is God. I am Yahweh. So... Though your suffering and pain are real, like it was for the people of Israel in verse 9. Did you feel for them here when Moses goes to tell them that God's about to save them, but they did not listen to them? Why? Because of their broken spirit and the heavy labor that they were living under. Friend, if you're finding yourself in that story, let me just again say to you that God sees you, and God remembers you, and God hears you, and God knows what you're going through. So even if your suffering is real, like their suffering was real, and even if you feel disqualified, like Moses felt in chapter, in chapter 6, verse 12, he says, but Lord, I am of uncircumcised lips. Some scholars think that, think that this means that he had a stutter. Wouldn't that just be poetic? Wouldn't that just be like God, to send someone who has a stutter to be his spokesman to the most powerful man alive on the earth at the time to demand that he let God's people go? Sounds just like the God I know and love. Why? Because in our weakness, he's made what? He is made what? He's made strong in your weakness. So look, your suffering, your pain might be real. You may feel disqualified, but I want to tell you that God's not having it. He's not having it. What's he doing instead? He's not wringing his hands. Okay, he hears you, he sees you, he remembers, he knows. He has not left you alone. He will see you through to the promised land. But he's not freaked out by your suffering. What has assailed you is not beyond the context of his omniscience. 
He's God on the mountaintop. He's God in the valley. He's God in the good time. He's God in the bad time. He's God in the pain. He's God in the joy. He is, I am Yahweh, saith the Lord. Okay? He is not thrown by what has been thrown at you. Instead, he receive it. He is doing what God does. He is issuing commands. Verse 13, but the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron and gave them a charge about the people of Israel and about Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to bring the people of Israel out of the land of Egypt. He gave them a charge. He's not wringing his hands. He's still being God. And seeing as he's God, he's doing God things. And this is what God does. He speaks things into being. He commands things to do what he wants them to do. And they either bend to his will or they break beneath his authority. What is God commanding you to do, my dear friend? And what have you been not doing for whatever reason? Let today be the day that you put your resistance to an end and you bow the knee to Yahweh and you do what he has been commanding you to do. This is God we're dealing with here and he is throwing his weight around. God promises. He did not shirk his duty when he gave those promises. He did not say, I will redeem you halfway. I will deliver you kind of. I will bring you into the promised land, maybe. No, he spoke it in imperatives. He spoke it with command. Why? Because he is Yahweh. Okay, you need to rediscover a big God. The bigger your problems, the bigger a God you need. Okay, in this day, in this age, in this moment, in this time, you need to refix your eyes upon the real God of the universe who issues commands, who promises. God commands, God promises, you obey. Who, me? Yes, you. Couldn't be. Let's see. As we close with verses 18 through 20a and 26 through 27, whereby we redeem this annoying genealogy. The sons of Kohat, Amram, Ishar, Hebron, and Uziel, the years of the life of Kohat being 133. The sons of Merari, Mali, and Mushi, these are the clans of the Levites. According to their generations, Amram took as his wife Yochebed, his father's sister, and she bore him Aaron and Moses. These are the Aaron and Moses to whom the Lord said, bring out the people of Israel from the land of Egypt by their hosts. It was they who spoke to Pharaoh, king of Egypt about bringing out the people of Israel from Egypt. This Moses and this Aaron. That's it right there. This Moses, this Aaron, this you. Yes, you. Who, me? Yes, you. Couldn't be. Then who? This Moses, this Aaron, this you. God promises, God commands, we obey. That's how to be free. And somebody said, amen. Let's go! Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. I hope you're leaving feeling encouraged. If you have any questions for us or you'd like to pay us a visit, you can find all the info you need on our website, gracecommunity.ca. 